My name is Chris Lanham and I am your host of Off the Floor, the show that is all about the learning process, the critical pivots along the way, and the positive ripple effects from those decisions. Why is human touch so important? If you haven't heard it, comedian John Mulaney has a joke where he's getting ready to have a massage and the masseuse says, feel free to undress to your comfort level. So he says, so I put on a sweater and a pair of corduroy pants and I felt safe. Science says that humans crave physical and social contact, but you walk into offices or coffee shops anywhere and you'll usually see just the opposite. Today we're going to talk to an expert on the power of physical touch and the story of how it became her business with my guest, Samantha Hess. I am Samantha Hess. I am a master cuddler. Uh, (laughs) And what I do is I offer one-on-one platonic cuddling services in our retail studio. Uh, I also certify people to become professional cuddlers, and I run community events out of our space as well. Uh, And on top of that, I've also written my first book, and I'm on the second one right now. (laughs) Wow, congratulations. So what's the backstory here? Like, were you just a great cuddler in high school? Your boyfriend said, you need to make a career out of this. Like, how did this all come about? Uh, Sort of the opposite of that, actually. So I had married my high school sweetheart. We were together for almost 13 years. And pretty much that entire time was just like almost no touch at all. Uh, So I spent my young adult life completely deprived of touch and really just like sad about it. Just so miserable because I'm really a touch-oriented person. I grew up in an Italian household and we need that kind of like reinforcement, you know? Yeah. Me to have this like this person who was supposed to give me this unconditional love and acceptance never want to be near me. Uh, it devastated my world. And eventually I had to leave because I couldn't just live the rest of my life miserable. And at 28 years old, I finally made that decision and I got divorced and ventured out on my own and immediately got hit on by most of my male friends, um, <laughs> which I had no idea that was going to happen. And I'm like, guys. 13 years, give me two weeks, you know, like chill. (laughs) Uh, And then I felt really unsafe reaching out for touch because I didn't want to give like false expectations or false hopes. Um, And then I came across that article online of the guy with the free hugs who gets punked, um, deluxe hugs, $2. And my first thought is, oh dear Lord, I would totally pay a guy to hug me. That would be amazing. Uh, And for me, the concept of paying someone to hold me uh, or hold space for me was perfect because then there was no guilt. I didn't have to worry about reciprocating or giving back to them because I knew what they were getting out of it. I knew their motivation. And I realized at that point, there had to be other people like me who just needed tonic touch without all the complications, without all the messy strings and drama and crazy emotions. And so I sort of decided that if anybody could make professional cuddling a thing, it was me. <laughs> I have sort of the perfect personality for it. I'm very outgoing. I'm like five feet tall, so I'm not intimidating for anyone. <laughs> and uh, just like I, I had this perfect ability to connect with people. That's like my whole life has been about just blowing people's stories and getting to hold space for people in different ways. And so I decided that this needed to be a thing and decided that I was going to make it a thing. Um, wow. So 
Now, if you if you look back, do you think that you would be where you are today had it not been for that kind of touchless relationship that you're in? There's no way I would have done this without knowing the lack of touch and how deeply it can impact me. There's no way I would have attempted to do this uh, if I had had a trauma-free life. <laughs> uh, and so it really does take those horrific and traumatic moments for me to understand humbling life can be and to want to do these things that are going to get me, you know, um, a lot of criticism. <laughs> yeah. And, and so now if you think about the, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are really designing a product to kind of fill in, you know, sometimes they're filling in like a space or some type of need that they feel like the consumers have. And other times entrepreneurs are designing a product revolving around them, like imagining themselves as the, as the end consumer. So which one do you think it was for you? Were you kind of designing it around yourself? Do you feel like you were maybe designing it around your ex-husband? Like, you know, where was your mentality, like putting this together into a business? Uh, so I, I definitely was designing it for people like myself, um, people who wanted platonic touch without all the complications. Um, and I sort of just assumed that the world would, would meet me where I was at. <laughs> <laughs> And so let's talk a little bit about just the reaction. I'm sure that you've had some interesting reactions when people ask you, I mean, maybe just at the bar, they say, hey, what do you do? Um, and so what have been some really interesting reactions that you've had so far? Oh man, I, I get a lot of, you're a professional, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and people will laugh pretty much every single time, which I love, I think that's great. Um, some people are super offended by it, which is also great. Um, <laughs> Because if you're not offending people, you're not really trying, I think. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to be the normie, you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, uh, you get a lot of, how do I do that? Or do you make a lot of money? Varied <laughs> <laughs> reactions for sure, where everybody immediately like applies it to themselves. And then whatever their reaction is, comes out instantly. They don't even get a choice in it. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I once had a friend who got hit on all the time because she told people she was a ballroom dancer. And so she and a colleague of hers, they made business cards of a fake job. And they found out that if they told people that they were taxidermists, then it would be like a repellent to guys and it totally worked. <laughs> but I would assume that in your situation, it's probably the opposite. Like if you tell people that you're a cuddler, do people immediately want to just kind of try to give you a hug? And So no, honestly, it's, it's pretty <laughs> rare that people are immediately like wanting to jump in and give me a hug. It's, it's usually the opposite. They're like, oh God, this lady's going to try and hug me. Uh... <laughs> And that's not at all what I do. I'm a very consent-based person. <laughs> uh, and so I never assume people want a hug from me, but uh, I do get a lot of that. Like people will take a step back. <laughs> and honestly, I like, when I was dating, I had to be like really clear and put it on my like dating profiles and things because so many people are not comfortable dating someone who has my profession. Sure. Well, I mean, for us, you know, you know, my wife and I, we own ballroom dance studios and, and just there's this connotation when you say that I'm a dancer and depending on where you are in the world, that could mean a lot of different things. And so I could imagine that that might be something that would be there's some sensitivity around that, that, you know, that is that going beyond the line um, where you have some people that are, are dancers or maybe they're someone's a masseuse and immediately you get this kind of like, you know, people are scratching their head and and on a bad day, they're kind of giving it some negative connotation. So how do you kind of get around that when you're, when you're talking to people just socially? So 
for me, it's really easy because I, this is my sixth year of doing this. So it's, it's been a long time that I've had to practice how to like overcome people's objections to this. So for me, my genuineness is really what helps overcome people's questions about it. I'm very open. I'm willing to answer any question people have. I'm very clear in my boundaries. And the way that I set up my business is very defined. So there are like three pages of paperwork people have to go through and a big long consultation. They have to tell me their whole life story basically before they could actually move on to a session. Um, we have cameras in our session rooms and people have to go through at least 30 hours of training to become certified. Wow. And so there's, there's a lot to this and there's a lot more than people might expect. We also have 78 different cuddle poses to make sure that there's something for every different uh, comfort level with touch. Uh, and you know, I make sure people know that a cuddle session doesn't have to actually include touch. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I was looking at some of the names too, and dance moves are the same way. We have a bunch of names for different things, and some of them will sound like they could be like WWF wrestling moves. Like I'm, looking at, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at this one, like the fortune cookie or the sidewinder. Like these <laughs> all sound very, very interesting. So if you can just kind of explain, do you have a favorite one, and and how does the name kind of fit with the? I'm just I'm just trying to imagine what this might look like. Yeah, so my, my favorite cuddle pose is generally gummy worm, which if you imagine a bag of gummy worms in like the, the window of your car on a hot day where they all just kind of like melt into one mash, you know, and you can't really tell what is what, that's kind of the gummy worm. You're like intertwined in all of these different ways with your limbs and uh, your arms and legs and like you can't really tell what's what anymore. It's like the squishiest cuddle pose of all time. It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's talk about how you ended up uh, going on America's Got Talent because that's like a really big deal. <laughs> and, and, and yet this doesn't necessarily immediately, you know, make you think of, you know what I'm going to do? Like, I'm going to go on a TV show where there's a Cirque du Soleil acrobat and then there's like, a guy <laughs> juggling fire and I'm going to hug people. Like, so who talked you into that or was that your idea? How'd that all come about? Okay, so that was, that was kind of a crazy story because this was, you know, a year and a half into me doing the business. My story had gone viral. It was crazy. It was everywhere. Um, in that first six months, we had more than six million people who had seen my story around the world. And so <laughs> what happened was I got this voicemail at the end of a long day and it's like, I'm so-and-so from America's Got Talent. Would you like to be on our show? And I'm like, oh, very funny, ha, 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 you know, thinking this is a prank. Uh, and the next day, I end up answering a call from this, this woman. And I'm, I'm still thinking this is a joke, like they're just like playing a prank on me. Uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, totally. Send me your contract. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and then like 10 minutes later, I get this like 26-page contract from uh, her email at agt.com. And I was like, holy bananas, this is like a real thing. They were being serious. Wow. So I got my lawyer to look through it and like make sure it was fine. And, uh, and then, yeah, we, we went forward. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> and so, so now what was the, like, give me the kind of like the ins and outs of the show. Like I, I, I don't really watch it uh, very often, but you know, every now and then you kind of get sucked into a vortex of a show like that. And you kind of watch a couple of contestants. So, you know, were you nervous? Was this just like, I got this, you know, I'm going to hug everybody in the room. Like what was your, what was your strategy? So I, nervousness doesn't help me. And so I have somehow magically decided to logic my way out of being nervous. So I, I never get nervous and I, I have like middle child syndrome where I need a lot of attention. 
<laughs> and so for me, like being in front of 9 million people is not a problem at all. Cause I'm like, Oh, people are paying attention to me. I'm so special. Yay me. <laughs> I know that's ridiculous, but it's like, honestly, I have no problem being in front of like a bazillion people. It's really interesting. And it was, it was really fun actually to be around everybody. They were all really laid back and even the other contestants, we all just got to hang out for like nine hours while they're shooting, you know, each person's four minute thing. <laughs> and so we all just kind of like hung out as if we were at like a camp or something. It was great. That's awesome. So who was the best? And I'm sure we'll talk more about this, you know, <laughs> but who, who would you say was like the best hugger on the cast there? Like that you got a chance to? Uh, Nick Cannon, for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. He was so sweet. He actually came back and got like six more hugs. It was adorable. <laughs> it was so adorable. And everybody like loves and adores him. And I, I had no idea he was so like philanthropic and like he does so many things. Like he's like the, the male Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and thinking about how young he was when he started in showbiz and everything yeah. like that too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And to like find humility in that is amazing. I want to go back to something that you said about logicking your way out of like nervousness, because this is so apropos for our audience too, because whether it's someone going in to pitch their next big, you know, idea to the sales team, or for a lot of our clients, it's going out and performing a dance number that they never in their life thought they would ever do. So, so what are some things in your mind that you've done that you've kind of got to that point aside from the middle child thing too, but I mean, what are some things that you kind of tell yourself that, that kind of gets you into that state? Okay, so here's the deal. With me, when I was in high school, I had so much anxiety and so much nervousness that I one time spelled my name wrong on a test. Like, <laughs> spelled my name wrong. How horrible is that? And for me, that was kind of the point where I looked at this test when I got it back and I was just like, I got like a 38%, you know? Like, I totally, totally failed it. I knew all the things I had studied. It was totally fine. But because I was so nervous, I totally convinced myself that I was going to fail. And then I did, you know, um, and that was the point where I was like, you know what? I am not that person. I'm not going to ruin my chances at making something of myself by talking myself out of it every time. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do my best. And then the night before, whatever the thing is, I'm going to put it to bed when I go to bed. And then the next day, I just have to do it. If I think about it, if I worry about it, I'm only going to get nervous. So that overthinking is the thing I have to avoid. And I just have to make sure that I know when I wake up, I'm not going to worry about it anymore. Because if those thoughts come up, I have to deflect them immediately or they're going to take me over and I'm going to lose everything, you know? <laughs> I get it. I love that. And so now tell me how that narrative helped you when it came to maybe your first few clients when you actually were turning this from an idea into a business? Yeah. So when I started this business, I had 100% faith that I would be able to make this something. I didn't know how, I didn't know when, but I knew I was going to make this a thing. Um, and that like confidence in myself is the thing that really like pushed me to always keep going to, to get to those moments that are like, it feels like rock bottom. Like I can't go anymore. You know, I've worked a hundred hours a week for the last four months and I'm so exhausted and I hate everything and everyone just so hard and I'm just like so done with everything and then you know I'll have that moment where I'll give myself time and and cry or whatever I need to do and uh let those emotions out 
and pick myself back up again. Having that faith in myself, knowing that the long game is really what I'm in for, makes it easier to take the pressure off of myself because any individual experience you know, are you, are you going to equal the sum total of everything I do, you know? So if I enjoy the ride and allow myself to go and have fun and enjoy what I'm doing, it doesn't matter if I fall sometimes. I'm human. I want to do those things too. I want to show that I also mess up, you know? I don't want to put myself on that pedestal because that creates a lack of humility that would prevent me from being good at what I do. Yeah, I love that. I think, I think that's such a huge unlock for so many people that are running into all these different random problems. And really, it always will boil down to something that you're in total control of. And that's like, how open are you to feedback? And, you know, are you, are you, you know, batting away all these opportunities because of your own ego? So now, like, we always talk about, like, from a dance standpoint, you know, when we're holding on to somebody, you know, that, you know, it's really easy, you know, you have to, you have, to have this kind of bond and this connection. And, and so how do you feel like, you know, when it comes to, to training your team, you know, what are you doing in terms of like the, the internal work on them versus the external? Like, what's the ratio? Oh, it really varies on each person because we have to make sure their self-care game is number one priority. So like for myself, I have determined that I need a minimum of two hours every day for intentional self-care time. So that's meditation or walking or any number of different things. Time that I'm intentionally spending on myself to better myself, to nourish myself. Time where I'm not just going to sit and zone out in front of a TV. I'm going to do something good for me. And teaching other people how to do that in everyday life is not the easiest thing. People kind of go in this ebb and flow of life. And they forget to take care of themselves. They put themselves last. And that's the first thing we have to teach people is that you never put yourself last. You always have to come first. And I mean, I did that when I started the business. I put myself last for months and I destroyed my body and my mind and I never slept and I, I pushed way harder than I needed to. And it taught me a lot. It really did. And now I'm so big in making sure that every single person spends that time on themselves first. Because if your bucket isn't full, if you've got a leak somewhere, you're not going to be able to hold space for people in a real way. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. Uh, I want to ask you, what's the thing about human touch that people don't understand? Like, you know, I've got four kids and, you know, we know how important skin to skin is as soon as the baby is born and almost the magical properties that that can possess. So what's your take on that? Uh, so the, the first thing I like to say is that everybody's in a different place with touch. Um, and just because I want or need something doesn't mean that other people do. And so consent based concepts are really important because we have to take into other people's point of view into consideration for comfort to be had. The other thing I like to mention is the physiological benefits. So there are three things that happen when you have positive touch. So any positive touch of 20 seconds or more will start to release oxytocin, serotonin, and it will start to decrease your cortisol levels. And so what those three things do is they will create a sense of comfort, a sense of bonding, and they'll regulate your metabolic functions, which is really cool. So it'll help with uh, building your immune system. It'll build your memory. It will increase your uh, metabolic rate. So you're going to even burn more calories. Uh, <laughs> and decreasing cortisol is that fat hormone that keeps extra weight on us, extra fat that we don't need from having that stress in our system all the time. Our body wants to overcome that like feeling of starving. And so it wants to always have this excess. Uh, and so when we have a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, depression, these kinds of things, cortisol builds up and then it's way harder for us to lose weight. And so 
uh, positive touch will actually overcome a lot of those things for us physiologically. So for all of the teenagers that are listening to this, and if you really want to pull one over on your parents, when you get caught making out in the back seat of the car, you just tell your parents that you are trying to monitor your cortisol levels. You should be okay, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Talk about serotonin and your parents will be baffled. It'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, uh, you know, one of the things about this show is the idea is that it's off the floor. Like we talk about like in dancing, dancing is our medium and it's the catalyst that creates the ripple effects like off the dance floor for our students, whether it's confidence, you know, better lifestyle, things like that. So what are the ripple effects that you have found with some of the people that you've helped, you know, through the cuddle method, like what are some of the the ripple effects that you've seen and testimonials from some of your clients? Oh man, it's endless. It's, it's really been incredible to see the changes in people's ability to connect with the world around them. We have lots of clients with anxiety, depression, autism, and any number of different um, social challenges. And it's been so beautiful to watch people learn to build self-worth and self-confidence and then use those techniques and concepts of knowing who they are and being able to explore the world in a safer way. And because we have the one-on-one sessions and the community events, we have this kind of baby step method of getting people to go from like their little introverted nutshells, you know, just the safety of their homes to like the one-on-one sessions to like small groups of community members where they come in just for conversation and then even to like community cuddles where people come in and cuddle with people from the community Uh, and then they start to explore different meetup groups and they start to make friends and they start to really like explore dating and all of these different things and it's been so beautiful to watch people just kind of blossom into who they've always been underneath all the insecurities. Wow, that is so awesome. <laughs> just, I'm trying to get a visual of all this and I hope for all the listeners, you're getting an idea of just how cool this is and it's, it's not what you think. I, I love that some crazy idea that was rooted in something that was so probably felt so dark and, and negative turned into something that's so positive. When was the turning point for you, like looking back on that kind of like touchless marriage, when was the point where you really started to appreciate that more than just kind of look at that with like, you know, hurt feelings? Yeah, so there was a very specific moment for me. Um, I was working as an installation coordinator in a security company. <laughs> and one of my coworkers ended up committing suicide. Uh, He was 38 years old. He left behind a wife and four kids. Uh, And it was so devastating to me because this was someone who was like a scapegoat for the company. He was treated really badly. Um, And like he just was so underappreciated and and like unnoticed except for being reprimanded for things that weren't his fault. And it became too much. And I had no idea. This is somebody I talked to every day on the phone. And it, it kind of destroyed my world. I was like, when I found out, I was like under my desk in a ball, like just crying for like four hours. Wow. And I like, I couldn't even drive myself home for like hours. Um, and somehow in the middle of that, I realized that what I was doing in my marriage was creating a space where there was never going to be happiness for myself. I was dictating my life based on other people's um, needs mattering more than my own. And at that point, I realized I can stay in my marriage and be miserable forever, or I can try and find my own version of happiness and I can leave. Because there was, there was no chance at that point that there was ever going to be a change. 
you know, we had been through a thousand of the same fights. We had tried a million different things. There was, there was zero things that I could do to make that situation better. And I had to get myself out. And so for me, it was that moment where I realized if I stay in my marriage, I'm never going to be happy. And life is too, too short for me to live my life without any chance of happiness. Wow. It's amazing how it takes sometimes a huge moment like that. It puts everything into perspective. So thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. That's great. Um, so now, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, what you've got going on. So you finished your book and now you've got another one on the way. And I know that you've, you've written some, you know, even the, the training curriculum and everything for your business. It's so impressive. Uh, I know how hard that is. And so, so talk about what you have coming up in the pipeline. So the big things I'm working on right now, uh, about a year and a half ago, I moved my certification program to an online option so that people can learn from anywhere in the world, which was huge because before people had to fly to Portland to meet with us in person. Um, and now I'm actually taking that online program and I am uh, applying it to my, my full program as well. And I'm going to be moving it to an online learning platform so that it's really interactive and there'll be videos and audio and writing so people can learn in their own style uh, with activities and exercises they can try out. It'll be more than 70 different training videos. <laughs> wow. Uh, so that's one project that I'm working on this year. The next one is my second book, which is called Confessions of Professional Cuddling. Uh, and it's going to be stories from professionals and from clients to give different perspectives of what this industry really looks like from the inside um, and what this really does for people. So I'm really excited about that. And then uh, in September, I'm going to be a speaker at Cuddle Expo, the world's first professional cuddling <laughs> expo, which is really cool. So all the professionals are gathering and I, I get to give two different talks at that. I'm very excited about that. And yeah, those are, those are the things I'm trying to accomplish this year. Next year, we're looking at opening up another location. Wow, that's so exciting. <laughs> the, the Cuddle <laughs> Expo, I just, I'm just trying to imagine what that would be like. And it's funny, whenever we'd have a, a dance competition, you, you see all these people walking around with like, you know, rhinestones and pirate shirts <laughs> and spray tan. And, uh, and we're just so, we're so numb to it. So I can imagine it's probably the same thing. People are just walking around like, hey, let me try the Cleopatra on you and yeah, and, uh, you know, lots of unicorn onesies and <laughs> pajamas everywhere, yes. <laughs> we once uh, were booked for a conference at a hotel, and the, the driver dropped us off at the wrong hotel. Oh, no. We get there, and it was a plushie convention. Oh, no! <laughs> and so I was like, if you take all these dancers with the plushie convention, you mash it together, that's like a YouTube video waiting to happen. That sounds amazing. I would totally watch that. <laughs> <laughs> so now, uh, final thought, I want you to just kind of wrap it up. If you had to imagine, like you've got people who are kind of the, the business-minded community that's listening. We've also got like the dance-minded community. you got this really weird concoction of people. Um, and so what would be like your takeaway? Like what's the thing that we could glean from your story that you feel like would be, you know, if you could summarize it, um, what, what's the big takeaway you want everyone to take from your story? My, my big takeaway is don't be afraid to be awkward <laughs> because for me, awkwardness is where the growth of life comes from. If I'm not in awkward moments, if I'm not challenging myself, I'm not growing. Uh, if I'm not growing, I'm dying. And so for me, I have to be comfortable in awkwardness. And so every day I try and do something that makes me uncomfortable. You know, don't be afraid to make a fool of yourself. Don't be afraid to do the thing that is harder than it should be. <laughs> do it anyway. <laughs> That's great. All right. Awesome. Well, this has been Samantha Hess and uh, your website. How can people get in touch with you? 
Uh, cuddleuptome.com. Great. And then also at cuddleuptome on Twitter and Facebook. And Samantha, it's been so fun chatting with you. And I am uh, really excited about just what you've shared. I think that this has got so much value for our community. And I think just to brighten everybody's horizons on just, you know, what can happen when, when something kind of negative can take place and all the positive things that could come from that. I think it's just really inspiring. And I really thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. As crazy as it might sound, your doctor puts his or her hands all over you. Why? To fix what ails you. So, science has proven that human touch not only makes people less violent, but it can also create stronger bonds in newborns through adults. So, would it be safe to say that cuddling is clinical? Now listen, you may not need to seek out a professional like Samantha, but in the meantime, why not bring back the handshake, hug your family, including your aunt who forced you to kiss her on the cheek, high-five your team at work, get into a dance frame, or simply hold hands with your significant other for no significant reason other than to remind him or her of how you feel. <laughs>